We're kicking off a series today, and I'm excited about this series. How many know Halloween's coming up this Wednesday night? Um, and like I said before, last night, Ceiling had his trunk-or-treat night. Uh, excuse me, Ceiling had his trick-or-treat night. Also had its Halloween carnival. Um, today, from 3 to 5, the hospital is hosting a trunk-or-treat. And so if you've got little kids or grandkids, be sure to take them there to that. But how many know during the season of Halloween, there's kind of like an underlying theme of fear and scare tactics? How many know what I'm talking about? Think back to when you were teenagers and what you used to do to people on this night. Think back to the chickens that laid the eggs. That, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Think back to the trees that gave the toilet paper that you know what I'm talking about, Right? So there used to be this kind of theme of fear and scare. And when, when we were growing up, when I was growing up, there, there was a few things that caused me to sleep less peacefully some nights, okay? There was a few things that kind of got in my mind when I saw a few things that I'm like, ugh, I don't like that at all. And I just kind of want to run through those real quick with you. Uh, Kevin, take me that first picture as we start this new series. This first picture... All right, take the second picture. I'm sorry. This guy right here. How do you know who this guy is? E.T. Okay? Yeah, I don't care E.T. phones home or where he phones. Just don't call me. Right? E.T., my cousin had a little stuffed animal doll. It was about like that of E.T. And when I go stay the night with him, okay, even as teenagers, he kept that like on his dresser. Because E.T., was, he was like an E.T. guy. This dude right here freaked me out, man. I lost sleep because of this guy. I, when he's riding the bike through the air, I can just see him coming into my room on that bike, right? This messed me up. I did not like E.T. Go to the next slide. This right here, the Wizard of Oz. Have you ever seen the Wizard of Oz? You don't have to polish your halos. It's okay to raise your hand. I don't watch movies, bless God, between 1 and 2 a.m. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Okay, now the Wicked Witch of the West, remember her? I'll get you, my pretty, <laughs> and you little doggy too. Remember her? Okay, that freaked me out. But then when they got to the scene with the monkeys, the flying monkeys, oh no, right? I ain't about that. I'm done. <laughs> turn it off and turn on Scooby-Doo, <laughs> right? Turn on something else. These flying monkeys messed with me. I, probably the thing that freaked me out the most in my childhood was these stinking flying monkeys. Okay? Hated them. Go to the next slide. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah right. If you know what these things are, how many know what these things are? Gremlins. Today they come out with these little things that kind of look like this. They're called fur babies. You know what fur, ba fur babies are? The devil. That's what they are. Okay? My parents got me a gremlin for Christmas one day, one, one, one year, okay? And the gremlin talked, okay? And I will never forget this. I'm lying in bed at night. I'm trying to go to sleep. And somehow, some way, this talking gremlin goes off, okay? I don't know how, but I think I knew this thing was demonic. It needed to go, right? And so I took it and I gave it to my cousin, <laughs> Gremlins, man, gremlins messed me up. Go to the next one. I remember this guy. 
Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy Krueger. Didn't like him. I went through several changes of shorts because of this young man. Okay? Freddy Krueger didn't like him at all. So these are kind of things that kind of kept me up, okay? And how do you know that when you're, when you're a kid, hang right, right there, Kevin. When, when, when you're a kid, you know, the monster is always like under the bed or the monster's in the closet or the monster's around the corner. But whenever you grow older, the monster becomes something not under the bed but something in your head. The mon- the, and just like those monsters aren't really under the bed, the monsters in your head, they're just a lie too. And we're going to talk about that in this series called The Monster Mash. Okay? Oh, yeah. How many of y'all want to sing this? How many of y'all know what the song is? They did the mash. Come on. Y'all know it. I don't know it. I don't know it. I've never heard that in my life. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Okay? Well, in this thing, we're going to talk about the monsters that plague us as adults because now the monsters have moved from out from under the bed into your head and so we're going to talk about this as adults there's some things that still scare me though as an adult okay I've grown out now flying monkeys still scare me don't want nothing to do with flying monkeys okay I can look at a gremlin and I can understand yeah it's just a gremlin okay but flying monkeys and the wicked witch want nothing to do with them okay especially some woman that's got green skin you know something's going on there right but now there's some other things that kind of mess with me. Kevin, go to that next slide. Green vegetables. <laughs> Scare me. Scare me. If you eat these, your skin's going to turn just like that Wicked Witch of the West. So, you know? This is potato and corn skin right here. This is beautiful, right? So <laughs> you want to stay away from this. There, 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 there's another thing that kind of scares me as a 38-year-old man. Go to this next one. <laughs> My doctor told me at 40 I need to have a colonoscopy. At 40. I'm like, but he gets to have it at 50, right? I'm going to his doctor. But my doctor said, with, with your family history, you need to start having colonoscopies at 40. I'm 38. I got an, a year and a half of freedom, of freedom. And then after that, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm telling you, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. And, and, and then, before you go to that next one, this is just a joke, okay? Don't email, don't post anything on Facebook. I threw this out there for Bill, but Bill's feeling under the weather this morning he's not here but this next thing kind of scares me too (laughs) it's a joke it's a joke (laughs) all right let's go to the next one that's enough i get that flying monkey feeling going on so (laughs) When uh, I want to talk about a monster that we all deal with today, that we've all dealt with at some time, at some place, and maybe some of us are there this morning. And that's the monster of comparison. The monster of comparison. Chances are pretty good that at some point in your life, you felt satisfied with the way things are going on in your life. But then you took a look 
over your shoulder. You took a look to the person on the left of you or the person right of you. And they had something a little bit better than you did. And you found yourself miserable after looking. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, at my in-laws, uh, we, we get to have a birthday dinner. I, I, I love meeting at my in-laws for our birthdays because we, my mother-in-law, she asks us, what do you want for your birthday dinner? And we get to choose. We get to set the menu. If it's our birthday, we get to set the menu for all the family. Uh, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, their kids, my wife, and all of us, and then her mom and dad. And so, but if it's your birthday, you get to choose. And I love it when it's my birthday. Because it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's like the marriage supper of the lamb, right? We have good, good food. My birthday is in June, in June, on June the 14th. And this past June, you know what we had? It's ironic from last night. We had the traditional Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> That's what I wanted. I wanted her homemade dressing. That's what I wanted. And so we had the traditional Thanksgiving meal for my birthday. Now, they also, they get you a gift, and then, then they give you a little bit of cash. And so my sister-in-law, she had, uh, had because of schedule, she hadn't been able to, to be at my in-laws uh, for her birthday. And so that night, we had to share, which I think is just wrong, okay? <laughs> I think that's wrong, because she got to pick some stuff, too. And I thought, this is, this is my day, okay? This, this is, you know, <laughs> me, 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 me. This is me. And so... We're sitting there, and then after we eat, we do the cake and ice cream and all that stuff, and then, and then they give us our gifts. And so I open my gift, she opens hers, and then they give us our, our, our uh, uh, birthday cards. And on the birthday cards, there's always a check inside. And so I grab mine, and she grabbed hers, and she goes, oh, thanks, you know, and she, it was like 50 bucks. And I grabbed mine and opened it up. I said, wow, $100, thank you so much. And Katie, <laughs> she just looked over at me like, What? Right? Like, mine was for the same as hers, but I just wanted to play a little joke. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And she began, what did you just say? I said, $100, man, that's awesome. What did you get? And she goes, 50. And and my my mother-in-law and father-in-law, they're like, what's happening? (laughs) What's going on? You know? (laughs) How many know, I'll say it this way. And this, if you're taking notes, write this down. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. It's like when you love your home, you're thankful for your home, you're enjoying your home, your home was really special. And then your best friend gets her Joanna Gaines farmhouse update, right? And they, they get all the, you know, and the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Write this down. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. It's never been easier in the history of the world to compare. Right now, because of social media, you can be having a really good day. Come on, somebody. And then you pull up Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat. You're having a great day. And then you see everybody else having a better day. And you're like, my life stinks. Right? Because, of, because we're in that comparison mode. You see your friends. And, you know, a couple of your friends are out shopping. Or a couple of your friends are out on the bass boat fishing. And you're like, why didn't I get invited? Right? I thought we were friends. We're supposed to do it. I wanted to go there. I wanted to go shopping too. You know, and no, I'm just kidding. But... You know, you know what I'm saying? We start comparing. 
and you see your friend on Facebook or Instagram. She's on her third vacation of the year. And you can't even afford to go to grandma's house. Right? <laughs> You're like, this stinks. And your friend posts this picture. I love this picture. If you've done this picture, I'm not meaning anything by it. I'm just saying I don't get you. Okay? I, I don't get it. Because I would never think to do this. People take their phone, put their feet up, you know, no shoes, just their bare legs and feet, put it up by a pool, and then put a book in it and take a picture, you know? And they're like, peaceful day. How many know what I'm talking about? If I did that, you'd be like, what's on his foot? (laughs) Right? So maybe I'm just jealous at those people because they've got pretty feet, Right? But, you know, they, they, they do that. For, I, I, don't want, I don't want to see your mother's foot, and I don't want to see your book, and I don't want to see your pool because I'm at work, right? I'm stuck here. I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got, I got bills to pay. I got kids to feed. I got my mouth to feed, and that's a lot. And so we start comparing. We're like, why, why are they doing that? And then you, you see them, and they're out, oh, you know, lobster with my honey, Right? And you're like ham and cheese with him. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying. And they're like, oh, he surprised me with jewelry. He got it at Jared's. You know? (laughs) And you're like, he surprised me with this video game. (laughs) You know? Pastor Stephen Furtick, he says it this way. He says, the problem is we're comparing our behind the scenes to other people's, everyone else's highlight reels. We're comparing our behind the scenes through everyone else's highlight reels. We know our everyday life. And everybody is like, hey, I'm here on the beach. Look at me, I'm here on the beach. I got pretty toes. They're all painted nice and neat. I'm reading the book. Life is good. Here's my glass of sweet tea. Life is good. There's another sermon coming on that one. (laughs) Got my glass. Everything is good, right? And you're like, man, I ain't seen it. The only pool I've seen is when it rained and this pasture out here flooded. I'm miserable. I want to dive into a couple of scriptures here today. How many know what I'm talking about before I get started? This is speaking to anybody in the house. All right, three of us, we're good then. I want to dive in. I want to look at a few scriptures. And I want to start with Paul in 2 Corinthians. And Paul, he's saying this. He's saying, don't you dare compare yourself with other people. And 2 Corinthians, uh, here in verse 12 of chapter 10, he says, you're only comparing yourself with yourselves. You're using yourselves as the standard of measurement. You're comparing yourself with, your, with other people. You're, you're not comparing yourself the right way. He says, you know what? How ignorant is this? How dumb is this? How foolish is this? How unwise is this? You know, look at how their kids act the time, all the time. I know my kids aren't great, but look at how their kids act. We're doing all right. Look at how their marriage is. You know, they're fighting all the time. At least we're, we're not like that. We're doing okay. How many know what I'm talking about? And so you compare yourself with others, okay? Look, look, look at his job. You know, I'm, I'm doing better than that, or I mean, I wish I had his job. And you're comparing yourself with others. Look at the relationship they have with their kids. Aren't you glad we're not like that? Aren't you glad they don't have that? comparing ourselves with others and if you're doing that what leads it leads to two things one of two things this is this is this is on the notes up on the screen it leads either it makes you feel superior or it makes you feel 
inferior. It makes you feel superior or it makes you feel inferior. It's never neutral. And neither one of those honor God. Neither one of those do. Well, she got breakfast and bed and flowers and pampering for her kids for Mother's Day, and I had to make my bed and make breakfast for my kids on Mother's Day. I guess my kids don't love me. I don't even like them. <laughs> I feel less than because of what someone else got. Or I got the nice car because I worked hard and God loves me. And I've been faithful. And at least I'm not driving an old piece of junk like them. Come on, somebody. Inferior or superior. And neither one honors God. Andy Stanley, he did a message on this a while back, and he called it the land of Ur. Because what Pastor Stanley said is that everybody wants Ur. Everybody wants to live in the land of Ur. Everybody wants uh, what everyone else has plus Ur. They want to be rich Ur. They want to be happy Ur. They want to be strong Ur. They want to be fast Ur. Whatever it is that they see the Joneses doing, they want to do it, and they want to do it Ur. They want to have that Ur in their life. And this is a very bad sickness that's plaguing our nation. And I want to I take a look at some scripture here. As we talk about this, it's not just incredibly powerful, but to me it's incredibly hilarious as we look at this scripture. Whenever you read the Bible, you're going to recognize that you're reading about very real people. These are very real people. They're just like you and me. They have their struggles. And it actually, as you open up the book and you begin to read the Bible, you'll find it's pretty entertaining. Okay? And what I want to do is I want to go to John chapter 20. And if you're in John, go to John chapter 20. And I want to talk about a little conflict here. We got a little conflict that's appearing between two of the disciples. We got Peter and we got John. And between Peter and John, there's some competition going on. And in fact, if you look all through the Gospels, these guys are like, hey, I get to sit next to Jesus. No, I get to sit closest to him. No, I'm the one that's right there. Well, Jesus, who's your favorite? These guys are kind of like that. That's the competition between these disciples. They're regular people, just like you and me. John, in my opinion, if you, if you studied out John, you'll see he's kind of annoying, okay? John's kind of annoying, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, and I'm going to tell you why. Because if I was Peter, I wouldn't like John. John is annoying. One of the reasons why John is annoying is because when he writes in his gospel, he refers to himself in the third person. That's annoying. The preacher who was preaching to you today said that. That's annoying. Isn't that annoying? And John, when he refers to himself, he refers to himself in the third person. I'm sorry, that's annoying. Anyone who refers to himself in the third person, that's an annoying person. And if you do it, God loves you. But you're annoying and you need healed. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if you're here, point them out right now. <laughs> no. John refers to himself in third person. But you know what he calls himself? It gets even better. He doesn't just refer to himself in third person. He calls himself the one whom Jesus loved most. The one whom Jesus loved most. It, it, it cracks me. How ridiculous is that? The one. This is, this is hilarious to me. It's funny because it's like Moses in the Old Testament. When Moses was writing, Moses referred to himself as the most humble man on the earth. Well, if I'm writing an article about myself, I'm going to call myself the most handsome man on the planet. (laughs) 
I had, a, I had a dad that told me, if you are what you think you are, keep your mouth shut. You don't have to say what you are. Other people will show you. If you think you're good, keep your mouth shut. Don't go run to everybody you're good. Other people will tell you. If you think you can do it, keep your mouth shut. Do it. Let other people tell you. Don't go around saying, I'm the most handsome man. No, that's a self-appointed title. Oh, that'll preach. But we're going to move on. Moses, the most humble man alive. I'm the most humble man. That's funny to me. I'm the most humble person out there. John in the third person. The one that Jesus loved. Now, evidently, there's some tension. There's some competition. Peter is comparing to John. John's comparing to Peter. Who's the favorite? Who's the best? Who's the greatest in the eyes of God? And the context of John chapter 20 is this. Let me give you the context before we get into it. It was three days after Jesus had died. Okay? He was supposed to be in the tomb when Mary got there. But when she got there, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. Okay? Mary really didn't know what to think. Was he risen? Was he alive? Did someone steal his body? What's going on here? Mary went running to the disciples, and here's how the story goes. He said, I want you to notice how many times that the apostle John tells us who is faster on a foot race. Okay? I just want you to hear it. It cracks me up. Watch this. It's right here in the Bible. You're going to be so glad you came to church this morning. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen. John is all excited because he's faster than Peter. Okay? John chapter 20, verse 2. Mary came running to Simon Peter. And the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Now, who's writing this? John, the one that Jesus loved. Okay? Third person. Annoying! The other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but John, the other disciple, that's me, the one Jesus loved, the other disciple outran Peter first to reach the tomb. I'm glad you put that in your your book, John. Really encouraging. Just in case you're wondering, Christ is risen, the tomb is empty, and I beat Peter. (laughs) Right? That's awesome. The Bible says, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Then Simon Peter came along where? In case you missed it first, he wants you to know he came along behind me. (laughs) Behind him, the one that Jesus loved. So I outran Peter. And in case you missed it on the first lap, he's behind me. He came behind me. Now, check it out. Verse 8. Finally, they went straight toward the tomb. Verse, uh, and then verse 8. Finally, the other disciple, who had what? Reached the tomb first. <laughs> John, you need to see Dr. Phil, man. <laughs> you got some issues. You got some things going on. The other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went inside. Three times. Christ is risen, the tomb is empty, I can beat him. Right? Isn't that amazing? You can only imagine how it starts off. The tomb's empty, who's going to win this race? Who's going to win? And then watch how it continues. It doesn't stop there. Go to chapter 21. This cracks me up. The disciples are out fishing. And Peter says, let's go fishing. And so now they're out fishing. They haven't caught anything. Some guy walks up. It's Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus. They're sitting there watching him, and Jesus says, why don't you throw the nets on the other side? They throw the nets on the other side, and then what happens? 
Well, John says, I recognized him first. <laughs> John says, I recognized him first. I was the one who saw him first. Peter dived in the water because that's what Peter does. You know, but on a foot race, I can beat him to a tomb. He dove in the water, but I recognized him first. I saw him first. Then what happens is, is, is the power of the story here. It says Peter has a very powerful encounter with Jesus. And you have to understand the backstory that before the crucifixion, Peter had this bold love for Jesus. And he told Jesus, all these other jokers, all these other disciples, man, they may leave you behind, but not me, Jesus. I am Peter. I will be with you. I will go to prison. And remember what the word says? I will die for you. And, Peter, and Jesus says, Peter, before this day is over, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Remember that story? And so here we got Peter, Mr. I will not deny you. I'm going to die for you. And y'all know the story. He denies Jesus three times, once in the face of a little girl who says, aren't you with him? Why aren't, aren't you? I saw you with Jesus. You're one of his followers on Facebook. I know you are. And, the, <laughs> and Peter denies the rooster crows. We all know the story. Peter, Mr. I've got your back. I'll never leave you. Now is denied. Three different times he denies Jesus. And now this thing has taken a total shift. And we see here in Scripture that Jesus looks in this moment and he sees Peter. We, 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 we see that Jesus saw Peter deny him. Now Peter's crushed. He's heartbroken. He's devastated. He's, he's humiliated. He's embarrassed. The one that they believe is the Messiah was crucified. Now he's risen, and now Peter is encountering Jesus for the first time after denying him. So Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I do. And Jesus says what? Feed my sheep. Apparently Jesus had a lot of livestock that he felt really, right? No, he's talking about his people. Take care of my people, okay? Take care of those who believe in me. Shepherd the flock. Feed the sheep. And then he asked Peter again. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus says again, Peter, feed my sheep. And then finally Jesus kind of changes the wording, the wordology of this. And Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you agape me? Do you love me more than anything? And Peter says, of course I do. And that's where we pick up the story. Because in verse 20, Peter turns around as Jesus is asking these three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter turns around, and who did he see behind him? <laughs> the disciple whom Jesus loved. Peter turns around, and John is right there. Peter is having this tremendous encounter with Jesus, and then what does Peter do? There's John. There's my competition. There's my competitor. And Peter asks Jesus, what about him, Lord? <laughs> you know, what's he going to do? What do you have for him to do? What's his assignment? And Jesus replied to Peter. He said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? Why are you wasting your time on him? I'm talking to you, Peter. Get your eyes off John. Peter turns around. After having this beautiful encounter, Peter turns around, sees John, and says, well, what about him? Is he going to feed your sheep too, or is he just going to, you know, pick up the poop? What's he going to do? Is he going to clean the stalls? Or, or what, what, what's he going to do, Jesus? He's competitive. He's comparing. He wants to know, am I going to be better than John? Am I going to be better than this guy? Jesus says, as for you, 
follow me. Check out those words. Your assignment, John, excuse me, Peter, your assignment, Peter, is follow me. Your lane is feed my sheep. I told you, feed my sheep. That's what I've called you to do. Feed my sheep. Don't worry about John, Peter. Don't worry about him. You feed my sheep. You do what I called you to do. Your assignment is feed my sheep. And we have to understand, we cannot faithfully follow Jesus if we're always comparing ourselves to somebody else. You, you, you can't do it. We will never be who he fully made us to be, who he fully called us to be, if we have this little voice on our shoulder saying, what about them? What about them? What about them? What do they have? What are they doing? What's going to happen in them? Where are they going? What are they going to get? Are they going to get more attention than me? What's going on here, Jesus? Are they more blessed than I? What kind of car are they driving? What kind of house are they living in? What kind of tithe check do they give? Come on, somebody. You're never going to be happy. We can never fully follow Jesus if we're always comparing ourselves to someone else. You can't do it. So why is it that we do this? Well, it's because by nature, we are a sinful human being. I am. I am. By nature, I am a sinful human being. And I think, honestly, I mean, the Bible says we all are. We're sinful human beings. And our sin nature takes us away from the heart of God toward ourself. And we're trying to find some external win to satisfy an internal longing. And there's no external accomplishment. There's nothing going on. There's no external blessing or relationship or amount of money or satisfaction that you can have that is going to quench that inner thirsting, that inner longing of your spirit. It's not going to come from the outside. It is a God-shaped void that only God can fill. And you need to understand that, that there's not enough er in this world. There's not enough happy er. There's not enough m- m- rich er. There's not enough uh, you know, strong er. There's not enough er in this world to satisfy the spiritual brokenness that we have on the inside. It's not there. You can't have enough money. You can't have enough likes on Facebook. You can't have enough followers on Instagram. You can't get enough attention. You can't acquire enough power. It's not out there because it's a God-sized void that only he can fill. Somebody say amen. amen. There's never an external answer that ever satisfies and meets the need of, the, of, the, of your internal soul. It's not there. It's not there. And the question is this then. Who or what is going to define my worth? Who or what is going to define my worth? Because if I can get up in our business just for a second before we close here. And when I say get up in your business, I mean get up in my business too. The Holy Spirit's been all up in my business. Sometimes, you know, there are people that are living a life trying to please a person who's no longer even alive. Come on, that's good. There are people living a life trying to please a person who's no longer even alive. Or maybe you're here and you're trying to live up to a dad who walked out on you. Well, I'm going to show him. Or you're trying to live up to a spouse that walked out on you. Well, they walked out on me. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them who I am. I'm going to make it better without them. You're living for friends. You're living for them. Whoever them is. I don't know who them is, but, but you're living for them. I've got to live up to their expectations. 
It's my circle of friends, and I've got to live up to their expectations. Who or what is going to bring and define worth in your life? If you're a Christian, you can probably guess where I'm going with this. The answer is obvious, but it's powerful, and it's important. If your answer is anything besides Jesus, you are running a race that you will never, ever win. You are running a race that you will never, ever win. You'll never win it. You will strain and, and stretch and you will blow your, 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 your life up trying to win a race that you were never meant to run and honestly, you will never win. You'll never win it. The line, the finish line keeps moving in that race because when you get to the finish and you think this is what I've come for, this is, this, this is the, the achievement I want, it moves. You will never, ever win it. If you ever run track, and I was a track star back in my day. I could take water to the track athletes better than anybody could. And <laughs> I could tell y'all looking at me like, yeah, come on. You look more like the shot putt than you do a shot putter. <laughs> if you know anything about track, I ran. I wasn't fast, but I, I ran. And our coach told us, when you run, you keep your eyes and he, he told us to keep our eyes like 10, 15 yards on the other side of the finish line. Don't focus on the finish line. If you focus on the finish line, you'll slow down right when you get there. But run through it. But in so many times in our lives, instead of running our race, running in our lane, running to our finish, we're running like this. What happens when you run like this? Is that how you run? I don't even know how I've been so long. <laughs> I got tired just doing that. Y'all gave me a second. <laughs> but when you run like that and you run looking, you're going to get out of your lane, aren't you? And in track, if you get out of your lane, guess what? You're disqualified. You stay in your lane. You stay in your lane. And so many people, and people there may be some in here today, but so many people we pass by every week. They're running a race, and they keep looking around. Are they catching me? Are they, they catching me? Oh, hey, there they are over here. I, I got to catch up. I, gotta, I can't let them be. Oh, there they are. I got to catch up. And we're going from lane to lane to lane, place to place to place. We're not running our race. We're not running what God's called us to run. When someone else wins their race, what should we do? When someone else wins their race, what should we do? We celebrate them. We celebrate. God's blessed them. That's awesome. But guess what? Them winning their race has no, be no effect, no bearing on you and your race. What's going on in your life? We cheer them on. We may even learn from them. Hey, there's something that they did that I can apply to my life, but they're not running my race. I can never win their race. They can never win my race. I stay in my lane because this is my race. I believe it with all my heart that, that there is a, there's no place, no greater place for spiritual transformation that, to take place than within the local body, than within the local church. That's why I'm a pastor. I believe in what we do here right now. I believe in this moment. I believe in us gathering together. This is my race. This is what I'm called to do. This is my lane to run in, to, to, to search God and to see God. God, how can we do this? How can we do this better? How can we reach more people? How can we reach the lost? How can we uh, you know, uh, continue to have your blessing upon what we do? This is my race. This isn't your race. You've got your race.
So you run your race, I run my race. We celebrate each other. We celebrate the wins. We celebrate the victories. And when we do that, there's no need for jealousy in the house of God. That's good. There's no need for, well, why did he get that? And she could, Because it's not your race. And your race is not my race. We all have our own race. Run your race. Run your race. Because Hebrews, right, Hebrews tells us that we run our race, our own race, with perseverance. We run our race. And so I run my race today, and you run your race today, and it's us running our races together, different lanes. We're in the same race, but different lanes. You know what I'm talking about? We're running toward eternity. We got our own race to run, our own lane. But how many know when we do it together, awesome things happen? And that's what we're here about. That's what this gathering is about. Because you're running your race, and you're not worried. You're, when I stumble, when I fall, you're there to pick me up, but you're not looking over at my lanes going, to, well, how come he's doing that? How come he's doing that? And I'm not looking over your lanes saying, well, how come they're doing that? God, how come they got that blessing? How, how, how come, how come the, the windows of heaven just opened up over their life and $100 bills just rained down in two-inch forms? Why, why is that, God? No, 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 I celebrate. Man, your grace is going awesome. And my race is going to go awesome as well. We run our race. Stop comparing. Stop comparing. And I know in this church body that I'm talking about this morning, I know when I speak to Elm Grove body, you know, we have very few issues with this. But the thing is, as a pastor, we're, we're not here to address problems after they come. We're here to make sure they don't come. So if we can get out of heaven and say, hey, as we grow, as we continue to run our race, there's going to be opportunities for people to look to the side and go, hey, what's going on with them? How, how come they're getting blessed right now? You just keep running your race. Your blessing's coming. You just keep running your race. And we're not going to let each other's race hinder what God wants to do in our own. Amen? Amen. We're going to be there to love and support and encourage and pick up. But we're going to run our race. And we're going to do it together. And we're going to see God do awesome things in this house. You believe that? Say amen. amen. You believe that? Put your hands together this morning. Amen. We're going to mash the monster of comparison. I'd rather mash a monster when it's this big than when it's this big. I'd rather mash the gremlin than the big flying monkey. Right? And so, like I said, as, as, we, as we scan across the congregation this morning, you know, don't think, well, what, what's going on here? I thought there was unity. There is unity here. There is unity here. And we want to keep unity here. Uh, it's possible to run a church of 10,000 people and have unity. But you've got to talk about it. You've got to address it. You've got to make sure that you put the, the roadblocks out there so when that, the, those issues come, we smash the monster. We do the monster mash. Amen. <laughs> It's a, it's a great young, brave young, I don't know what it is, however that song goes. And so I, I just want to encourage us. I, I, just, I, just, I just want to throw that out there, okay? Let's, let's continue to run our race. And when we run our race, man, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. And God brings success into your life. Amen? Father, we love you today. And God, I thank you for your many blessings. God, thank you for this opportunity we have to be in your house this morning. God, today, we choose not to focus 
to the left or to the right. We choose not to focus to, to, to our neighbor. We choose not to focus to that one in town. God, they're, you got the brand new house, brand new clothes. Or God, even that one in town who's just really struggling. And God, at least we're not like that. God, comparison, as you spoke today, will always lead to a superior feeling or to an inferior feeling. And God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you enable us, God, not to look to the left or to the right, but to keep our eyes on Jesus and run our race well. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, maybe you're here and you say, Jared, I'm, I've been kind of like you sometimes. As I can tell you, this, this isn't something that I just breeze through. 38 years old, there's been a lot of comparison in my life. I want a ministry like that. Why don't I have ministry like that? Why don't I have crowds like that? I'll admit to you, there, there's been a lot of comparison. God's had to do a lot of cleaning up in my soul, a lot of cleaning up in my mind, a lot of cleaning up in my thought process. But today I feel so good because I'm, I, I've been free to run my race. God's cleared me to run my race. And man, it feels really good when you know I don't have to run the race of that person or that person. I get to run my race. And here's the cool thing. The only one that can win your race is you. It's that no one else can win your race. No one else can get a better time. No one else can get a better score. Nobody. The only one that can win your race is you. So the only competition is not the person the left or right. The only competition is will you fulfill the purpose and the destiny that God has for your life. So in reality, the only competition is yourself. You get yourself out of the way. You enable God to speak into your life and you run the race that he's marked before you. And you'll win. You'll win. And maybe you're here this morning, you've been like me. You found yourself jealous at times. You found yourself envy at times. You even found yourself prideful at times. I mean, I, I admit, all three of those have described seasons of my life. God, I need help in this area. And he's been faithful. So this morning, I'll tell you, I've answered this call in my life already. And I just want to encourage you to find the freedom that God's placed upon my life. If you're here and you say, Pastor Jared, that's, that's me. And sometimes I get to look into the left or right. This morning, the Holy Spirit's found me. And I just need to be reminded today, run my race. Run my race. That's you. Will you slip your hand up right now? Just like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. God, I pray for every person who raised their hand. God, it's easy to look to the left. It's easy to look to the right. It's easy to begin our race, but try to finish someone else's. Father, I pray right now that you would just speak a word of encouragement to us. God, we're, we're, we're so blessed. We're so honored to be part of this family. We're so honored to be part of your family. 
but sometimes it's so easy to get sidetracked. So God, just keep our eyes on you. Keep our heart fixed upon you. We keep our eyes and heart fixed upon you as Hebrews talks about, the author of Hebrews writes about. God, we'll, we'll not be discouraged, we'll not be dismayed, and we will not be denied. God, will be victorious in our own race. So, Father, I ask your blessing upon all those who raise their hand as they very boldly and very humbly say, God, that's, that's been me. Help me to fix my eyes upon you. So, God, I pray for your blessing upon their life. I pray that you'd go with them and lead them and guide them and direct them in all that they face and all that they do. And, God, when that notion comes, look over there. Look across the street. Look at your neighbor. Look at the person sitting on the end of this pew. See what they have? Why isn't God doing that? No, 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 we're not going to listen to those lies. We're going to mash the monster. We're going to do the monster mash. And God, today, this monster of comparison, he's been brought out, he's been brought to light, and God, the light has expelled the darkness from our life. And God, I pray your blessing upon each one. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. That everybody said, amen.